Hi, I'm George Tekmanchov, and we're back with another episode of the Easton Target Archery Podcast here with Steve the Big Cat Anderson and Bruce the Man, the hardest working guy in archery, and Brittany Salonen, his able assistant, the hardest working woman in the sport. Hey, folks, how's it going? Good. How are you guys doing? We're hanging in there. Brittany, how's it going? Good. We're busy. Awesome. Well, yeah, and that's kind of nice. Uh, Brittany, you and I were talking just before the podcast started, and uh, it's kind of like a whiplash effect, right? Because there's been long periods of time when you guys were working, of course, but you didn't have the, you know, the intense effort required to put on a Vegas shoot, that kind of thing. Uh, and now you're back in the middle of it, aren't you? Yep. We got a lot of different events we're working on at the same time. So we're trying to hop back and forth and keep everything moving forward. Which is fantastic news for everybody to hear that you guys are hard at work getting ready to stage some events, starting out with the Rushmore Rumble, Bruce. Yeah, we're, we're excited. That was the tournament, of course, that, um, you know, was a brand new one for us. And, you know, it, it took a lot of thought um, and, and we've got a, a pretty good machine going, I think. You know, we've got um, over 600 registered right now. And we look uh, for a couple hundred more. The deadline's coming up early next week. And that's always, uh, the last few days is always a big number of entrants. So, you know, we're pretty excited about that. And of course, you know, we're having that right here at our headquarters at our NFA Eastern Archery Center in Yankton, South Dakota. So we're, uh, we're excited for it. I think it's going to be a great event and have a lot of people. So what kind of turnout are we looking at at the, at the point we're talking on uh, Friday, the uh, 29th? Um, I, is that today? Yeah. <laughs> I had to look at my calendar. I don't know what day it is or, yeah, I, we've got six, just over 600. Um, that's pre-registered and, um, you know, our best estimation would be, I, I'm going to guess right now that we're going to be knocking on the door of 800 people. So, yeah. Um, so that's, that's a little over the limits that you talked about in terms, you're going to have to put up some extra lines, I gather, if, uh, if things hold the way that they were planned to. Yeah, in fact, we, uh, I don't know that magic number, I think it's 670 is what we fit onto the um, the existing lines that we had scheduled. So that means adding another line, which uh, would make it a fifth line. And um, the good part is, you know, we, we kind of jokingly uh, said that, heck, you know, if we have people, we can shoot around the clock, which we can. <laughs> um, you know, owning your own venue is a big asset. But you know, we really don't want to be shooting late at night. And this, even with five lines, people are going to get done, you know, at a reasonable time. So they can still sure. go out, eat and have a drink or whatever they want to do. And um, yeah, it, it's going to be good. We're, we're very excited about it. Well, there's also the added expense of shooting after 9 p.m. when you're going to have to slip the judges each 10 bucks to keep them happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Yeah. All right. So that's great news. Um, sounds like it's going to be a real rumble in Yankton. And uh, we'll keep an eye on the uh, registration as it gets closer. Folks, don't uh, don't dally. Don't wait till the last minute. Get your flights in for Yankton and get your registrations in. Because as Bruce just said, this thing is filling up. That's awesome news. You know, Steve, another, be there, right? a really good thing uh, that's, I think, worth mentioning is when we first started this, we didn't even know what the possibilities of a trade show were. And um, this is turning out to be a pretty big event. I don't know how many actual vendors, probably 20 vendors. Um, but we've got, uh, I think it's all right to say that we, the trailer we have coming, isn't it, Brittany? They're all confirmed. Yep. I mean, we've got Lancaster coming. Uh, we've got another manufacturer that's bringing a trailer. Um, 
you know, we're going to have a, a full-fledged trade show. So, uh, you know, in all archery specific, we don't, there's no bath and body works here. So it's, uh, it's all archery and it's going to be uh, a good event for everybody. Absolutely. It's going to be the first opportunity people have to get to an actual trade show in the uh, past year. In fact, uh, Vegas being the last time we really had something like that. Yep. Yep. And, you know, to, to lead right into it, um, you know, the other thing that's a awesome blip on the radar turning into a, a real vision um, is the Vegas shoot. I mean, we've got our dates locked in. Um, it's going to be in Vegas. It's going to be at the South Point. Um, we're having that April, uh, 14th through the 17th. And, um, that's actually going to be a, a Thursday through Saturday, uh, which is the new format we were going to go to anyhow, get letting people get out of there and travel home on Sunday. But, um, you know, once again, uh, it, it's not going to be like the normal Vegas shoot. Obviously we're not going to have 10,000 people there, but we're going to have a trade show. We're going to have. Um, you know, all the championship division shooting, uh, big prize money, you know, for this year, it's, uh, it's remarkable we could even pull it off. And then, of course, in between the Rumble and Vegas, um, we're still dotting the I's and crossing the T's on the National Indoor. Um, and the National Indoor is going to be, uh, you know, pretty simple to explain right now because we don't know exactly where. I can tell every listener it's going to be in one of two places. It's going to be in Louisville, Kentucky, or it's going to be here at headquarters in Yankton, South Dakota. Um, so that's what we know right now. Uh, it's yep. going to be in one of those two places. And we know the date. Uh, the good thing is the date is... Um, March 12th through the 14th. Yeah, so March, the original date. The original date, everything's on the same there. And, you know, for people wondering, you know, why we can't decide that yet, well, it's real simple. Um, we don't have all the regulations worked out with all the COVID stuff Um in Louisville. And, you know, I should just add, uh, even the Vegas, you know, everything has got a potential to, because of the pandemic, be altered or canceled. I mean, that's the life we live right now. Yep. Um, the good part is everything for travel is refundable, you know, motel rooms, airline flights, all that kind of stuff. It's, um, you know, as we say, it's the nature of the beast. Um, there's, we don't have much control over it, but it looks okay, like things so, are getting better, for sure. So chronologically, we've got Rushmore, then we'll have indoor nationals in either Yankton or Louisville, depending on how things shake out, and we'll know that in the next few weeks. Yep. And then we will have the Vegas, basically the Vegas finals uh, is one way to look at this, right? I mean, it's, Correct. yeah, you're going to have how many rounds before you uh, have the shoot down? How would you planning? <laughs> How many rounds? How many, how many ends? Oh, how many ends? <laughs> That's going to be it. That, you know, to win the, the pandemic um, Vegas shoot is going to be something. Um, I think if, you know, having run these things for 30 years, uh, obviously I have a little different perspective than shooters, but I can't imagine um, that this wouldn't be one of the most sought after that in the, the 50th anniversary, of course, but um, this is going to be a big deal, you know, I, you know, and, uh, and then of course, to really get everybody fired up, we have another thing going on in between all those, and that's the virtual Vegas, which is all the flights, the biggest mass number of people we have. And that'll be announced in detail in the next week or two also. Um, right now, we're planning that to end and the culmination to be probably the Vegas shoot, the in-person in April. So, you know, I think we're going to have some pretty neat stuff going on. So what's the qualifying round for the in-person, just to clarify? 
It's the regular, um, the in-person Vegas round is going to be the, the two, 300 rounds, actually all three. Yeah. yeah it's a 900 still. Um, okay. Just like it was. And then uh, the format has not changed a bit on, on the championship division. Yeah. So George, they'll shoot Thursday, Friday, Saturday with the shoot off on Saturday night. Gotcha. Okay. So That's great. Back a day. Yep. So um, in, in terms of uh, the turnout for that event, you've got space for how many at this time, recognizing that that could change? Yep. So right now we have the restrictions in place are 50 people per room. So that gives us 200 people with four rooms. So we're looking at about 750 right now, but we're hoping that that regulation is going to loosen. Yeah, we all are, so, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So what we'll do is we'll give first, first preference to anyone that shot the championship division in the last two years. You know, we'll open up the, you know, 2020 first and then 2019, almost like an invitational. And then once that's done, once those people have their opportunity to register, we'll open it up, you know, to anyone else that wants to participate. Okay. Yeah, so we, George, we got right three. Now, they have a, the, I don't know if it's the governor or the mayor is working with the sports commissions and they're almost as sure as they can be that our restrictions are going to be lifted to the point that we can handle probably as many shooters as we want. It's the spectators that we're going to have to be a little bit um, different with, I guess is the best word. But I think uh, we have a lot of time between now and then, and I, I think it's getting better. There's already been some events held um, that they've added some special stipulations to, and that's kind of the same thing that's going on with Louisville too. So um, we're just doing our due diligence with them right now, and I, I think it's looking really good. Excellent. That's good news. And uh, Steve, that's almost enough to get you practicing again. I have been practicing. What does that mean? It means I've been practicing. Which means how many arrows per day? Um, you know, between 35 and 350. Well, that's that's a high practice session for you, no doubt. Yeah, it falls between that number. So Brittany and, and Bruce, you've actually gotten Steve back into a normal practice schedule. Think about the accomplishment there. I would have to wager quite a bit of money that we had a little bit to do with it, but I think his wife and the fact that he could maybe be upstaged by her could have a lot to do with it. Because, you know, here's a little thing that you guys are going to hear first from me. You know, Linda called us and she wanted some of the official rumble targets um, because all the ones they were using were the old unofficial. And I don't think Steve even knows about that because very few people have them. And you I think, think Linda's she, keeping them to herself? You think she's hiding yeah, this I from think Steve? Because, you know, she's pretty convinced that they're just a little bit different. So um, I think she's got an edge. Um, and the fact okay. that Steve can't really shoot 50 or 60 arrows at one time tells me that, you know, I think there could be an upset coming in that husband and wife shoot off. <laughs> All right, allow my response now. First, you're right. I cannot shoot 50 or 60 arrows at one time. I only shoot one arrow at a time. <laughs> Secondly, I'll tell you what I tell everybody. If Linda beats me, I'm fine with it. We're going home with money, baby. Because if she beats me, usually I do well enough. If she beats me, she's got a darn good score. That's, that's a good attitude to have in your position. That's just, a realistic one, given the past yeah. year's... Uh, standings I, I think when it comes to the anderson household i think linda has out earned steve six to one <laughs> fine with oh, me so, as long as someone's making it uh 
you know what? At uh, at the Mega Week in September, yeah, we had our indoor nationals, which was the the five spot round followed by the Vegas round, and and Linda Linda was the only one to shoot clean. She shot what would be the equivalent of a Vegas nine hundred. Yep. Yeah. So she's there. She's there. We just got to make sure she's prepped. So we are all okay with this, actually. I think we're more than all of us are more than happy to see Linda out shooting Steve because uh, that means that she is indeed turning in good scores. Good stuff. Absolutely. All right. Well, Bruce, Brittany, that is a great update. Appreciate it. And anything else to add before we uh, let you all get back to the, the, the hard work of putting these things on? Yeah, I have one thing. So anyone that's already registered or going to register for the Rumble next week, we'll be figuring out the schedule and assigning line times. And then we'll also be updating those payouts uh, based on, you know, the registered number in each division. So there'll be some big updates for the Rumble next week. Okay. And it sounds like, Bruce, you were saying that we'll probably see some updates on Vegas virtual uh, by the end of the week next week including maybe the entry fee schedule? Has that been worked out yet? Yeah, I think that um, a week from now, we're probably going to be ready to announce exactly where Louisville is going to be. I think we'll be able to announce. Um, I know where Louisville is. All right, let, yeah, let me rephrase that, I guess. Yeah, but will, but will Louisville be in Yankton is the real right. question. <laughs> yeah, let me say we'll be able to announce where the national indoor is going to be. Um, you know, and, and by the way, just a quick update. Um, you know, we just finished last year's national indoor and it was really amazing. I mean, we had over 2,500 archers participate in that at 150 different locations and clubs and pro shops. And it was absolutely awesome. In fact, I would encourage people to start looking on social media. I went on last night and three pictures came up of the awards they gave and uh, or that we gave, and they're really cool. You know, the the whole pandemic um, belt buckles, is that what they were, Brittany? Yep. And, you know, people, a lot of new things came out of that. You know, people that never thought they had a chance uh, to participate. So that worked out really well. So, you know, it's, uh, talk about different times. I mean, nobody could have read the crystal ball on archery for this one. Um, Oof, no way. Yeah. And Good it's, stuff. It's, yeah, it's nice. All right, Brittany, Bruce, Thank you very much for taking the time. Um, we, you know, I, I really do understand some, a little bit of what it takes to put these things on. And uh, the amount of work is incredible. But to have it all avalanching at the same time is even more incredible. So thank you for everything you and the volunteers at the NFAA and the employees of the NFAA are doing to bring archery back and to give us opportunities to get back out there and, and launch arrows. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you guys yeah. for having us on. All right, Steve, Brittany, and Bruce are going to sail off, and we're going to switch gears into the next part of the discussion. Uh, last week, we put up on the Easton Target Archery Facebook page an opportunity for Q&A and uh, got, some, uh, got some questions from some folks. So what do you say we jump into those? Yeah, I'm ready. Glad to hear it. First and most important question comes from our good friend, Mike Pastelli. Will Bernie appear in the next Easton catalog? Mm, the Photoshop. Yeah, no. <laughs> All right, jumping into the actual questions. Uh, well, that was an actual question. Uh, this is an interesting one. It comes from Blake. And Blake wants to know, what causes a setup to be more forgiving with carbon arrows compared to aluminum arrows for indoor? 
So that starts Thanks. out with an assertion that I don't know is uh, accurate to start with. Uh, do you I don't know feel what forgiving that means? I don't know what that means. Forgiving is the interpretation of people that when they make a mistake, they can get away with it easier, or that if they flinch, they get an eight instead of a six. I think that's how a lot of people interpret forgiving. But forgiving really means, as much as anything else, tuned to work for your foibles, meaning that uh, you're, you're not on the bitter edge of a tune, so that things are real flinchy uh, if you don't do things the way you should do them. I, I don't think that Carboneros are actually more forgiving per se, except for one factor, and that's lock time. It, Carbonero tends to get out of the boat a little faster than an aluminum arrow. And as a result, if you happen to be a bit of a ginchy shooter, maybe a carbon arrow lets you get away with a little bit of stuff because you're actually already in motion. You're not doing anything to affect it as it's, you know, leaving the bow. Uh, it might allow you to get away with a little more stuff. But the, the big thing is to also remember that aluminum arrows are highly tunable. You can make very fine adjustments to the tune on aluminum arrows with small changes to things like fletching weight and point weight and bow weight. And so you can get a better tune typically with typical aluminum arrows than you can with carbon arrows. And that could be something that could give some people the edge in terms of having the opportunity for better scores. So, um, you know, to Steve's point, what's forgiving? What does that mean? Well, yeah, one aspect term, of it is it lets you get away with stuff that you shouldn't be doing in the first place. I use the term less critical because a lot of people tend to think of forgiving as they can make a bad shot and still shoot a 10. And they think, oh, you know, sometimes you're not in the 10 ring and you fire still goes there. And I'm like, no, that's not a thing. That's not Correct. a thing. Correct. The, the first component of any setup you have to get to is where every good shot hits exactly behind the pin, right? Shots hit behind the pin. No matter, even bad shots, no matter what, they need to hit where the pin was when you fired it. Right. So if you hold in the nine and fire one and it hits in the 10, that's not a good setup. I'm really sorry to say. Um, so first and foremost, you got to make sure everything hits behind the pin. And then it's up to you to put the pin in the right place and fire at the right time. Right. And then the ginch so, factor comes in, like you mentioned. And that's when, when you give it the ginch or you, you know, you have a little bit of movement or you have a little bit of a poor grip, poor release, something which one misses less, which one is less critical. That's how I look at it. Yeah. I like the, I like the concept of less critical as a term because it's all critical, right? It's all important to get it right. If you say more forgiving, that kind of implies that you can be a little bit laissez-faire into your shot process. Whereas if you say more critical, it means that you need to apply every shot as well as you can. And if you get that result, if it hits behind the pin, then you know you've got a good setup. Yeah. Whether the pin was in the right place or not. Well, that's but that's completely in your control as a shooter. Yeah, and that's where you have to have good self-assessment after every shot. You have to say, you know, where should that one have gone? Absolutely. And if it went where it should have, you're in a good spot. So the only way I've, you know, back to the forgiveness thing, the only way I can actually truly measure forgiveness is with a torque tune. That's it. That's the only component of forgiveness I have found in a – in a bow or arrow setup. The rest of it is just getting it less critical. A lot of folks so listening someone would know, call that forgiveness, and that's fine. I'm not here to nitpick the details. I just want to make sure people understand what that your arrows aren't going to go. There's no magic setup that's going to make your arrows go in the 10 if you aren't holding it there. Exactly. 
Walk through a torque tune, uh, the high points, for folks who are unfamiliar with the term. Well, it's probably best they check out, like I think Jesse Broadwater has a video on YouTube, maybe. Um, so maybe if you do a search for Jesse Broadwater and Torque Tune, that'll get you yeah, what you need. Yeah, that would get you where you need to be. It's a lot to explain without visual, but basically you're 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 setting up your rest position forward and backward um, to achieve less horizontal impact shift when the bow is torqued versus when it's shot with a neutral grip. Yeah, and this has to do with leverage, and it has to do with where the arrow is referent to the pivot point of the bow in the uh, in the fore and aft aspect. Yeah. And yeah. you know, Jesse worked on that ten years ago. Um, Kevin Wilkie put it to put it to work pretty quickly. The Freak Show series of rests was designed to optimize for that aspect of things. I suppose there are other rests out now that uh, that have some of that in consideration as well. But uh, it's an important thing. Um, and, you know, one of those secret, not a secret things that a lot of shooters worked on 10 years ago, some of whom didn't know that they were doing it. Jesse was the first to kind of popularize and codify the process there. And it is absolutely worth the effort to, to torque tune a given setup. It, uh, it may be one of the things that absolutely makes things more forgiving for something you shouldn't be doing, like torquing your bow. Right. All right. Next question comes from Paul, who wants to know, can we have the double X 75 autumn orange back, please? So much cooler than the jazz. Um, that's yeah, I'm not I'm not in disagreement with him. Um, you know, maybe people like that autumn orange. Like that. Yeah, it's, uh, everyone's well, it's worth bringing. It's worth bringing up. It's worth bringing up to the marketing guys when uh, when you have an opportunity. I think yeah. that uh, in the past, Easton has done a couple of runs for the hunting crowd of autumn orange shafts in limited editions and FMJs and a couple other things. And uh, I think those went over pretty well. So, hey, why yep. not? You know, at least something to look at, something to consider. So thanks for that, Paul. Yeah, I'd be happy um, to see him. Yeah. Clayton wants to know if you're going to offer adjustable weight points for the RX-7 and specifically the size 22. If I'm not yeah, mistaken, you, you're coming. already doing that, right? Yeah. They're common. Yeah, it's a, a casualty of the world supply chain right now. But uh, yeah, they are designed, ordered, getting them cut, waiting on them to show up and get approved and all that. Fun. So there you go, Clayton. You will have adjustable weight points for RX-7 arrows uh, and specifically the size 22 along with the others soon. And that's pretty cool. Uh, Kenny has a couple questions for you. His first question is, what would be a better intermediate outdoor compound target arrow? The new Avance, which is a target shaft, or the Axis 4 millimeter? Yeah, and I, I uh, think I answered that question separately, but, you know, obviously they're both uh, very similar in design in terms of uh, you know, diameter, the weights aren't a whole lot off with the axis being slightly heavier. For me, I'd go with the Avance just because there's, you know, components designed to match up to that. Uh, you know, if a guy wanted to go with the axis, you know, there's certainly nothing wrong with that either. It'd be an awesome arrow. The one thing Except he's getting the hunting oriented components for that. Yes, you would be your, when you buy them, 
you know, you're paying a little more for the access and that's because there's components included that you wouldn't use for target archery. Like half outs. Half outs and then, yeah, standard. Uh, and a different type in. of knock. Yeah, push in knock. You'd probably want to pin knock instead. So either way, it would work great. But yeah, if it were me, I'd get the Avances. That way I'm not buying components I don't need. And for those of you on Facebook, that is answered in detail by Steve on the Easton Target Facebook page. Turns out we have a lot more people listening to the podcast than follow the Easton Target Facebook page. So uh, if you haven't seen it, go there and you'll find that Steve has answered that in great detail for Kenny. Um, one of the things about the Avance, Steve, um, highlighted in a recent Easton Target blog post uh, on the EastonArchery.com website is the fact that it is an intermediate price point arrow, but it's got super high performance. That's one of the things that I think a lot of folks haven't quite wrapped their heads around quite yet. Yeah, I, I really think it would be an awesome arrow even for like myself for field archery because of the weight advantage. So I might try. Right. I right. intend to try them. Yeah. I think, I think that's something that, uh, you know, in field archery, you want forgiveness, especially for unmarked field, but also in case of even marked field, if you misjudge your cuts, you know, you're shooting uphill or downhill, you always cut. And if you misjudge that amount of cut, um, a faster, lighter arrow within reason, can get you um, a point or two that you might not have gotten if you'd used a heavier shaft solution. And so you could argue that, you know, something like an Avance, especially uh, with the tolerances on that thing, the spine around the shaft, that kind of thing, super, super precise. Uh, the Avance could very well be the solution for field archery. And quite frankly, it's going to hurt less if you do miss and lose an arrow. Yeah. And it, and, Beyond that, I think it's an awesome bare bow arrow. If you look at, say, a 500 spine Avance, 6.9 grains per inch, uh, a 520 ACE is 6.7. So it's really close in weight to the ever popular ACE that people love for all sorts of field archery or bare bow. Um, very close in weight, but obviously a economically different price point. So yeah, yeah. And you know, street and price probably the Avance tougher is, too. Yeah, possibly because it uses that AccuCarbon technology, which is uh, perhaps the premier carbon arrow technology out there today. From the standpoint of durability, from the standpoint of consistency, I mean, you're basically making a three mile long arrow and cutting into into you know thirty inch pieces, um, and every inch of that thirty mile or three mile arrow is the same, and that's something that uh, you can't do with a wrap and roll process the ac process while you wrap the carbon onto the aluminum core that moderates things differently and and really improves upon what an all carbon arrow would be in that same configuration because of the synergy between the aluminum core and the carbon that's unique in the ac arrow but you're making two arrows when you make an ac arrow so the cost is much higher the avance made in usa is a largely automated process and helps reduce cost. Yes, I can't add anything to that. Cody is asking uh, an interesting technical question and one that, you know, we actually have answered to a degree, but uh, like so many questions of this kind, it's impossible to give a specific answer to an individual without knowing the specifics of their setup. What Cody wants to know is, 
with all the arrows and veins on the market, has there ever been testing done on if there is an optimal RPM range for a given setup? He says he's seen situations where there can be too much or too little steering, which would lead him to believe there's an optimal range somewhere in there. And if there is, how would one measure that? So the basis of Cody's question may be on a misconception. Arrows are not spin stabilized. They are stabilized by drag. A football or a bullet is stabilized by spin, but an arrow or a javelin is stabilized by drag. And the drag induces rotation. So the drag amount that you get on the arrow does contribute to spin. Even if the veins are on there straight, there's still going to be a spin component developed by that arrow. Some will be faster, some will be slower. The more offset you have, the higher the spin rate. Spin wing veins can spin it up to 12,000 RPM. What's interesting is they don't, they don't stay at 12,000. They oscillate up and down in speed of spin as the arrow travels downrange. But the real answer to the question is, what is the arrow doing when you get out at extended distances? Is, it, is the group opening up? So if you're seeing a situation where you're getting tight grouping close up and tight grouping at an intermediate range, and then at 70 meters, for example, the groups are all over the place, then you know that you may have overstabilized the arrow, causing it to parachute and causing it to lose momentum as it heads down range and get affected more by the wind. It's not spin stabilized. Arrows are fin stabilized. And it's important to remember that there's a big difference between how an arrow is stabilized and how a bullet is stabilized. Steve, any thoughts? I think that was enlightening to me as well. So. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. All right. So um, what do you got going on between now and uh, Yankton as far as a training schedule? What are you planning to do for Rushmore Rumble? Um, you know, I want to hit. So I want to get to, you know, when you first start kind of shooting again a lot, you kind of you, you hit a, a quick early peak and then you struggle a little bit. Maybe you're, you get tired or whatever. And then like a week later, you bounce back. I need to hit that oh, yeah. peak like like Monday. So okay. I might shoot a thousand arrows tomorrow. Just to burn through that, that period of time when you have the little slump after the peak. Now what I'll probably do, uh, I'll probably shoot a little bit tonight. You know, I, I don't, I, I never shoot a lot. So I may shoot 45, 60 arrows somewhere in there. Uh -huh. And then tomorrow I'll probably shoot twice. I'll probably do that twice. I'll probably shoot morning and evening Sunday. I'll probably do the same. Uh, and then, you know, kind of back to a normal every night practice next week. And then uh, I may go to Idaho, shoot the Idaho Open. That's Super Bowl Sunday and kind of want to watch Tom Brady, the GOAT. So may not go to Idaho. <laughs> we will see. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, and then we've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and fly out Thursday to Yankton. Well, you know, it's uh, it's going to be really great to finally be back at actual events. And I think that that will be the, 
a highlight for a lot of people, this upcoming series of events that Steve and Brittany or that uh, Bruce and Brittany told us about earlier in the show. And, you know, I just think that everybody is going to be so happy and appreciative to be back at it that, that the atmosphere is going to be tremendous. So we're all looking forward to it. You know, it felt that way when we shot in September, you know, and uh, zero people got sick then. So from my understanding. So that's nice. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think everyone's had it by now. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, unfortunately, that's not true. However, uh, I will say that, uh, you know, obviously, Bruce and Brittany are going to do everything they can to keep everybody safe. Uh, there will be the distancing stuff. There will be the, you know, the usual things. But, um, you know, let's face it, these events have not been tied to any major issues, partly because I think people are are sensible and and doing sensible things to avoid to avoid any issues we all want this thing to be done as quickly as possible but uh you know we don't want to create opportunities for for people to get sick or bring home sickness that kind of thing and i think that uh it's going to be a really safe event from that point of view there's going to be all the protocols in place and uh, uh you know as things get into the springtime and hopefully things continue to improve uh, we will look forward to seeing you know uh how those things can be implemented going forward. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of focus on what's going on with Tokyo right now, the Tokyo Games. Bruce brought up the subject of spectators for Vegas. You know, between you and me, Steve, I don't think we're going to have spectators in Tokyo for a lot of events. Yeah, and I wouldn't expect it. Um, we, we've proven now that professional sports can still go on. You know, there's been highly successful seasons in virtually every professional sports league. Yeah, and, the NFL uh, being the latest, of course, and Super Bowl yeah. coming up. And, I mean, frankly, how many people actually attend an in-person event at the Olympics? Maybe, I don't know, maybe uh, 500,000? Well, absolutely. You know, you've got a situation where you've got uh, literally billions of people watching the Olympic Games. Yeah. So as a percentage, the spectators who are in person, while the ticket sales are important, don't get me wrong, um, the number of spectators in person at the Olympic Games is tiny compared to the global audience. So, yeah, you know, Gotta the important thing TV is money, baby. Well, and, and, you know, all joking aside, that TV money is critical to the health of sport worldwide, no matter what the sport is. If it's an Olympic sport, it's going to be really important to, to pull off the games from that point of view. Uh, I yeah. know that sounds, you know, we want everybody wants sport to be a certain thing, but at the end of the day, it really does come down to that kind of money being available for the IOC to be able to disseminate that money to the various federations, including world archery. If you want these events, if you want to participate in the sport of archery and you want to enjoy archery events like the ones Bruce and Brittany are putting out, you're going to have to understand that that is on built on the foundation of money that comes from. Uh, broadcast and advertising and and that is all part of the structure and it's important so you know we're looking forward to hearing more updates from from tokyo we expect to get some updates from world archery in the next couple of weeks as to how things are shaping up so far things are pretty positive uh, in spite of some media reports that uh, that came out a couple of weeks ago but uh, i think we're looking at a at a positive trajectory we just need to hold fast and make it happen are you going to yankton uh, I got to talk to Bruce about it. I think so. Yankton there's, cuisine. What's that? There's actually, there's actually a really good restaurant in Yankton right by the riverside there. 
Uh, I don't remember the name, but it's it's a great one. And I'm not going to tell anybody what it is because otherwise it'll be impossible to find a reservation. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the landing. It's called the landing. Oh, thanks. Thanks <laughs> a lot. You had to you had to reveal the secret. 